come with us. When you wish upon a star. Come and remember the magic. What's up, all you rad dudes and dudettes? Welcome to 2024 and 90s Disney, your podcast for everything about Disney in the 90s. I'm your host, AJ Minotti, joined by my brothers, Mike Minotti. Hello. And Chris Minotti. Hello. And we are ready to kick off the new year with an action-packed episode. You guys ready to head to the Deep South? Sure. So much action. I'm uncomfortable already for some reason. Right? We're going to deal with all that, don't worry. That's right. We're going down to Dixie Landings, the 1992 open moderate resort at Walt Disney World. You may know it better by its current name, Port Orleans Riverside. Mm-hmm. But we have to go back to February 2nd of 1992 to the opening of this resort. You guys ready? I'm ready. ready. Okay, here we go. You Take know, me there. The number one movie at this time. Hook. Hook. I love this movie so much. This is one of those movies that, like, 10 years ago, and, like, you know, I'm 30 years old, and I'm like, oh, Hook was a childhood classic. And I was like, Hook sucked. And I was like, what are you talking about? Yes, I remember being blown away. All the adults at the time, yeah, critics and adults didn't really seem to care for it that much, but, uh, it's like, yeah, everyone like our age now is yeah, like, like oh, turn, we're talking about. I think we came back around because like Rufio got popular yeah. again. Yeah, but like there was definitely, I think at the time there was a sense of, well, they can't all be hits for Spielberg, right? Yeah, I was like, no, this movie's God, incredible. Me, it was just like part of the pantheon. Like, right. Really? Oh, One of the okay. best movies of my life. I didn't realize that Hook was considered less. I can still remember actually being at a Christmas party with our Uncle Butchie watching this movie on TV. And it was like the scene of Peter flying. And you could see like his shadow in the clouds below him. And I remember saying something to the effect like, how could movies possibly look any better than this? <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember as a child being terrified of the uh, the box. Oh, the boo box. That the is pretty scary. That, that they put Glenn scary. Close in. Glenn Close, yep. Who is Cruella de Vil in the Hunt One Donations Disney reference? Maybe this movie was just a little too sexy for the time. Too sexy? Oh, what was the freaking. The, the mermaids? No. no. No, no, Just saying in general. With the oh, next you, you're, I missed the transition. I'm sorry. The I number one song. <laughs> the number one song is I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. Mm-hmm. You know that one. Um, Too Sexy oh, for My Shirt. Right Said Fred. Yes, I did not I, know yeah, that but you name. didn't know who actually wrote no. that song. I am going to guess that well, that is their one hit. I, yep, yep. <laughs> yes, I think so. A one hit wonder, as you say. All right, so let's talk about the development and opening of the Dixie Landings Resort. Uh, this resort actually opened second after Port Orleans, now known as Port Orleans French Quarter, about nine months later. That opened in May of 91. This was a moderate level resort themed to the antebellum south of the late 19th century. So when I hear that, I'm like thinking Gone with the Wind. Was that right. kind of a right frame That's a good frame of reference, yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, um, I forget where exactly Gone with the Wind is, but this is much more Louisiana. Okay, okay we're, yeah, we're going right. down by the bayou. Yeah. yeah. i never seen Gone by the Wind, but I see those clips at the end of the great movie right now. For a while, I was looking for that song. I was like, I like that song that they played at the end of the great movie. Right? Well, I didn't what realize. What could that be from? Turns out it's from one of the greatest movies of all time that we've just never seen. Yeah. We should watch that one day. Is it like, is it like I don't four know. hours I don't, long? I don't know if people these days, like, well, you know, I think there's a... Sure, there's, it's still good. I think there's some... Um, 
uh, like like you know the good fight stuff, whatever that the, that problematic aspect, uh, of it, right? I mean, yeah. it's about I know, I these I, poor plantation owners, well, right? There's the whole thing with the two leads not liking each other. Either. Oh, that too. So the, the behind the scenes it's, drama. It's like a twister, uh, twister fiasco. Uh, okay, twister. I just what know, on a twister. You know the movie Ken yeah. Paxton and uh, what's Bill Paxton and Jodie Foster. Helen Hunt, yeah, they didn't they, like or Helen Hunt. Hunt. That's yeah. it. I always mix those two. So it's funny when you watch um. In the ride, the queue, how they're like filming, like like the pre-show stuff. Yeah. they're never together. In the old Twister show, you're talking about interesting. Twister. Yeah, oh. right. But that happened uh, with Mad Max Fury Road. The same thing. You have that. Who didn't like each other in Mad Max? Uh, the main guy and the girl, Charlie Theron. Oh, really? Well, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, what's his name? Um, uh, he was Bane. Bane. What that just went out of my head. Yeah, well, Bane. Tom. We call Tom. Him Tom. He's Venom. Isn't that? Is well, let's Tom move something? on because that's not. This is great radio. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's stumble over some guy's name who's not <laughs> involved in this. I like it. <laughs> anyway. All right. Uh, the resort opened in phases. The first phase was uh, a set of rustic buildings uh, nestled in the Alligator Bayou area of the resort. And phase two that came soon after was the elegant mansions along the waterways of Magnolia Bend. So those are kind of the two districts of the resort. Um the Daroff Design Incorporated Company of Philadelphia is the company that handled all the interior design of the resort. Uh, they actually, from, from what I read, worked on interior designs for the contemporary. Oh. So they've been around, and they're still around. Uh, they Their modern website doesn't mention any of their Disney work, but they did work on, ca- um, what's the one tropical resort at the Universal? Just went in my head. Oh, Banana c- uh, c- Cabana, Cabana Bay? Cabana Bay. Cabana Bay. Cabana Bay. That's the one. Cabana Bay. You said banana. I was like, no. <laughs> banana, banana, <laughs> He's got Cabana, banana, cabana. In his uh, So, yeah, they, uh, they, they, they worked on a lot of hospitality stuff and just general architecture firm stuff. So, their goal with this design was to adhere to a mid 1800s tidewater theme evocative of a deep south riverfront village. The hotel's entrance was meant to represent the thriving steamboat business of the village. The registration area, when you look at it, Actually looks like a steamboat ticket office and a steamboat. Mm. Uh, the main buffet-style dining area, or, or not, it was supposed to be buffet, then became quick service. Uh, that drew inspiration from a cotton mill plant, including a full-scale working model of a cotton gin. Is this the building that had, like, the words cotton painted on the roof? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that would go away. <laughs> a lot of references to cotton disappear in 2001. We'll get to that. Imagine that. Uh, there was also a full service dining room themed around uh, the work area of boat rights. So is this always called boat rights at restaurant? Yes, then? that was always boat. Oh rights. yes. Okay, interesting. I was I, my mind like you know I'd never been there. I know you've been there once. You'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I was like I, if you had told me that at some point it got rethemed, I wouldn't have been surprised. No, yeah, that's that's been there that's forever. Been boat rights since 1992. Okay. Yep. So in the Alligator Bayou area of the resort, there are three architectural styles on show. This kind of comes from some of the backstory of the resort. We'll get into much more backstory soon. Oh, good. Legend has it when the settlers first moved out from the town of Port Orleans, their earliest constructions were the four comfortable and opulent mansion buildings. However, the further upstream along the Sasagula River they got, the harder it became to transport the necessary building supplies, and so the constructions became smaller and more rudimentary. That's why the closest group of buildings to the mansions have brick-built columns and neatly tiled roofs, while another group have much plainer wooden columns. And the final section features plain wood columns and simple sheet metal roofing. Magnolia Bend features four three-story, individually-styled mansion buildings. The Acadian House, Magnolia Terrace, Oak Manor, and Parterre Place. So you know, these I remember, the Magnolia ones, because they're like along like that river that connects French Quarter. Yeah, you see those more from the boat. Right. Um, and what's interesting, too, is... 
the alligator bayou rooms are that kind of motel style where there's no interior hallway. Yeah. Whereas the Magnolia Bend buildings are interiors with elevators and. So is it everything. like are they like suites as well or is it no like- no they're still standard rooms right. although they got the um, uh, what are they called the, uh, the 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 princess something rooms. Oh well, don't they? Princess it comes up later. <laughs> yeah, but um, like how big is this resort area? I mean, there are two thousand and forty-eight rooms at this resort. It is sprawling. big. Okay, right. it is very, very big. I, I know that Port Orleans um, French Quarter is small, right? Definitely. Yeah, that's considered the more yes. like intimate, smaller one. Right. For mm-hmm. I, I think like sometimes because my brain, uh, I'm like a little bit. Well, that one Riverside must also be small, but it's a lot bigger, huh? Mm-hmm. I mean, in some ways, West. as you can kind of tell, it's almost two resorts in one. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, again, the rooms themselves are pretty similar, but the exteriors are pretty different. Yeah, the theming is, it's like a very sharp contrast for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, you really do feel like you go from like the bayou with like wild overgrowth to like things, the southern. To like, ancient. yeah, everything's manicured yeah. and well kept and everything. Yeah, it's very cool. So let's get into the backstory. Buckle up, everybody. This is, I, I found like pretty much I'm the bu- whole thing. We're going to do it. All right. You, wait, let's okay. do it. Okay. Okay. I like, where'd you find all this info? There? So, all this kind of comes from the the resort newspaper, but really what I'm pulling from uh, was this article written by the late, great Jim Corcus uh, while he was writing for Mouse Planet, so all credit goes out to him. Nice. Um, but this kind of, like I said, they remember like like all the hotels, we talked about this with um, Fort uh, uh, Wilderness Lodge and everything. They had these like newspapers that they used to give out back in the 90s right. yes. that had like you know, they were dated, like this one was dated like in the 1800s and, and it told the whole story. this was that period of time, like the, especially like that early 90s, mid 90s where they were. Oh, Eisner going, loved his backstory. Yep. Deep. I mean, freaking uh, Pleasure Islands is extensive backstory. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, you can almost understand the argument is unnecessary, but it was fun. And I don't know, like when the, uh, when the DVC area of the of the Polynesian opens, you think you think that's going to have a backstory? No, nope. the backstory is that uh, we needed more rooms to sell. Right, exactly. We'll be, we'll be lucky if it even blends in well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this fictional newspaper is called the Sasagula Times, and I should mention the Sasagula River is the river that runs along this resort, Port Orleans, um, French Quarter into Disney Springs. Is that the same? No. Because you can use those same boats to get to uh, Old Key West. Old Key that West. Still the I think it branches off. It branches off. into a different river mm-hmm. at some yeah, point. Okay. I think there's a fork there. That That's a fun. What is, do you know what Sasagula means? Mississippi in some Indian language. I don't know which oh. one. Look at that. There you go. What the, what the heck does Mississippi mean then? Sasagula. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, more of an Ohio River kind of guy myself. So the Sasagula Times was printed in 1893 from the guest perspective, but the history goes back much, much further. To the founding of Dixie Landings by a pair of brothers from Port Orleans, Colonel J.C. Peace and his big brother Everett, who came upriver to make their own home away from the hustle and bustle of the city. Everett was the recluse of the family, and he liked to spend his days just kind of whittling on small carvings of wood, and he was very good at it. A lot of whittling going on in the South. Of course. And what else are you going to do? He ended up settling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. God. Okay, good. He settled on a remote island in 1835 in the heart of what would later be known as Alligator Bayou. And there he kind of just lived the life of a hermit. So this is directly from the paper. In the part of town now known as Alligator Bayou, only the hardiest souls dared to build. Not only was there the threat of hungry gators, but as the rains fell far up north and the the level of the Sasagula rose, more than one homestead would be knee-deep in swamp. But the settlers who chose to live in Alligator Bayou were as resourceful as they were determined, and they built their homes and other buildings a foot and a half off the ground. 
Even today, though the gators have mostly retreated further into the bayou and floods are less frequent occurrences, you'll find the structures in Alligator Bayou still constructed with the same distinctive elevation. I feel like Taurus will handle this very well. Is, yeah. this, is this true? So everything's kind of like high? Yeah, everything is like like it's like that appearance like on, like stilts, it's on stilts, you know? Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. I don't like alligators. You know this. this yes, we, yeah, I feel, I feel like this is another thing they shy away from, all the talk of gators. Uh, Everest built, built a simple cabin and constructed a clever aqueduct to bring fresh water from a spring deep in the bayou across the river, and his homemade contraption would be the basis of the pool. So you'll see this later. Ah, okay. The trappers and their families would, from time to time, notice a wisp of smoke rising through the trees on the island and sometimes even catch a fleeting glimpse of the mysterious man who lived there. This, of course, led to many tales of the odd old man on the island who was surely an ogre with a taste for lost children. What the heck is this about? Yeah, well, that comes out of nowhere. Yeah, what, what, why an character? ogre? <laughs> what, there's a twist in this well, that, story? That, we're talking about Everett. He's on his island. Okay, okay. Uh, it's hard not to like slip in like, a southern accent as I start oh, doing yeah. these back. I feel it's starting to creep yeah, out. Yeah, I might just can, give in. Do your best to continue <laughs> to restrain that. All right, before long, Old Man Island had grown to a full-fledged legend among the area's youngsters until one exceptionally brave young boy on a dare... Walt Disney. (laughs) (laughs) ...built a raft and paddled to the island, expecting a child-eating ogre, but finding a kindly old man instead, the two quickly became friends. Soon, all the children in the area made regular visits to the island. Everett turned his woodworking talents to construct all sorts of playthings for the children, Ramps and ropes, slides and swings, ladders and log walks, and all manner of things were built. Eventually, a whole section of Old Man Island had become a playland like no one had ever seen before, and so masterfully crafted it still exists oh, today. The play like area for the children has a oh, extensive God. backstory. That is insane. I love it. All right, moving on to Everett's younger brother, Jonathan, who was a much more outgoing lad. Not nearly as fun and cool. No, he was much cooler and more oh, fun. Okay. Something of a showman ever as a child, Jonathan yearned for recognition and acceptance from classmates, parents, neighbors, and most of all, from Everett. One evening, donning his dad's old army uniform, Jonathan paraded about the family home, acting every bit the military officer. His antics led the family to dub him the Colonel, and from that day forward, the nickname stuck. Even as an adult, Jonathan Colby kept the epithet. Invariably referring to himself and even signing his name as Colonel J.C. Penny. <laughs> Thank you. So this is like Colonel, like, you know, like, like Colonel Parker or Colonel Sanders. Yeah. They're not right. actually in the military. Colonel Pickering. Was which, he Colonel? Which one's that? What's that from? That, uh, my old lady, right? No? Is that? Yeah. But that's English. He might. I think he was actually a Colonel. Yeah, he probably actually was a cl- Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. It seemed like, it, it seemed like an honorary title right. to me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Hardly out of his teens, young J.C. married Millie, his young, longtime sweetheart, and the two moved away from Port Orleans to seek success and happiness in 1850 and founded upriver near Old Man Island. Captivated by the lush grasslands and spectacular stands of stately trees, he climbed the modest stretch, claimed the modest stretch as his own, dubbed it Magnolia Bend, and set about building both a mill and a mansion. What kind of mill? <laughs> Don't worry about that. No, you're going to see very plainly how they explain that one. The place was to become Dixie Landings. It was established largely through the efforts of the outgoing and ambitious Colonel J.C., who saw the locale as the ideal spot for a cotton mill serving Louisiana's growing cotton industry. With the dedicated assistance of a couple of dozen family men, 
who had ventured north from Port Orleans <laughs> in the Colonel's footsteps with the voluntary <laughs> assistance. Oh, my goodness. A cotton press and water wheel weighing just over 35,000 pounds were built from local wood. The screw gears, axles, and shafts were carved from white oak, and the gear teeth were fashioned from hickory. The home he constructed for his expanding family grew slowly into a stately structure known as Acadian House. That's what's one a, of the buildings. Acadian, that's a, a lot of things. Are What's that style meaning? Acadians exactly? are from Nova Scotia, and they were Catholics who were kind of bullied out of Nova Scotia, made their way south, 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 so they got to Louisiana, and their language kind of mixed with French and Indian to become what we now know as Cajuns. Okay, so the Cadians and Cajuns are related. Yes, I actually extensively researched this so for how a documentary. How did you know that? I, this, this, remember, I did that documentary about them oh. in, uh, in, co- in no, grad no, school, right? Acadian. So, yeah, I know all about the Acadians. Oh, like Cajun literally. Acadian, Acadian, Cajun, Cajuns. Oh, yeah, see? Okay. Cool. Okay. I, a, a quick aside. So while we were doing this shoot, we went down to New Orleans and uh, arranged to meet a retired boatwright who's 100% Cajun. We pull up to his house, and we're in a minivan with our production crew. And I'm thinking to myself, man, like, are all the, like, stereotypes about these guys true? Like, what, what, what are we getting into? And we pull up the driveway, and he comes out of his garage. He's got just jean overalls and a white T-shirt on. And he comes out and goes, looks like y'all brought the whole group. <laughs> I was just like, yes, it's real. And I got to say, him and his wife were two of the nicest people I've ever met That's in cool. my life. Uh, we, he took us down to by the bayou there where he um, had like his kind of workshop and where he built boats. And uh, it was the most meticulously organized workshop I've ever seen in my uh-huh. life. It was incredible. This guy was so cool. Pita. I love that guy. All right. So, again, Acadian House. That's one of the uh, the four mansions at Magnolia Benton. See? We got one. All right. There you go. <laughs> Originally, a rather simple single home, the mansion grew as Dixie Landings did. Neighbors would pay visits on one another regularly. The cotton trade brought numerous business guests and steamboats along the vital Sasagula, accounted for a steady stream of visitors from across the country. The two roomy wings, both constructed with fine New England brick brought by steamboat down the Sasagula, were added to accommodate the many friends and associates who called on the colonel and his family over the years. It was finally completed around 1852. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, but this, like this guy and Everett, are kind of cornerstones of this story, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you can kind of see like he's kind of the the Magnolia Bend side of the story. Everett's kind of the Alligator Bayou side of the story. Yeah. And you know, there was they did consider a different name for the resort at one point. I don't know if you knew this. What's that, Mike? There, uh, we're going to call it Expedition Everett. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> you're in timeout. Here I was all excited to learn some new. I was like, what did he find that I didn't? Go ahead. Please enlighten us. <laughs> uh, it's, I'm funny. Uh. <clears throat> Before long, a community of stately southern mansions arose in this tranquil part of the Sasagula, commonly called Magnolia Bend. First, we have Buford Honeyworth III, who married Colonel J.C.'s oh daughter, God, is, Sarah. Why is this still going? Like, why, the backstory I, is set. There's three was, more buildings, Chris. They all need God, something. Who, did, who wrote this? I don't know. Somebody was hired. <laughs> so many proper names. Like, who are all these people? Uh, I need a flow chart. I'll, I, I'll make one. I wonder now, even if like in the lobby, in the gift shop, wherever, if there's still mention of like Everett and J.C., well, it's still I'm Old Man curious. Island where the where the pool is. Yeah. Yeah. Man. In 1853, this was uh, when they got married. With the colonel's assistance, Honeyworth founded the profitable Sasagula Steamboat Company. The colonel, having taken a true liking to the young entrepreneur and wanted to keep his lovely daughter nearby, offered the Honeyworths the prime parcel of land to build a mansion now known as the elegant Magnolia Terrace. That's, One down. That's two. <laughs> 
Tanner Franklin, descended from two of Louisiana's most prominent families. The Tanners and the Franklins? Yes. Wait, oh, I thought the Tanners were from San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, you're still in timeout. I'm oh, sorry. Brought a tradition of honest government to the bayou. <laughs> serving, sorry, I can't get through that one. What? Serving as Dixie Landing's first mayor and later as the area's first U.S. senator. Franklin amassed a vast fortune. Ah, he wasn't a senator for the U.S. for long, though. Yeah. <laughs> Joined a different government in about 10 years, I think, if I got my timeline. <laughs> Franklin amassed a vast fortune growing cotton in the fertile Louisiana heartland. His home, the strong and solid Oak Manor, reflects both his wealth and his sense of order and its brick pathways, its impressive courtyard, and its awesome white columns. That's three. Elizabeth Betsy Barron, the wife of one of the richest men in Louisiana, Edward Barron. Of course, we all know Edward Barron. All the stars are here. <laughs> was horrified when she saw Magnolia Ben calling it this forsaken swamp. Oh, land. she's a bit, oh she's a bit of a flower here, a, bit mm-hmm. of a delicate creature. Mm-hmm. Ooh. To appease her, her husband gave her a free hand to build the family home. Using Port Orleans architect Gaston Poupon Jr. They just keep That's coming. a Cajun name. <laughs> it's keep coming. Why does that why does this person need it? <laughs> why not just the architect? <laughs> Gaston Poupon Are you this is a joke. This isn't real. You wrote this. <laughs> it's all chat GPT. Elizabeth created Parterre Place, a striking mansion combining Spanish wrought iron and a flowing French style. With its ornate trellis and stylish French roof, its stairways and spacious foyer, Parterre Place was every bit the reflection of Port Orleans society. It quickly became known for its lavish parties, socials, and soirees, and Betsy blossomed in her role as Dixie Landing's Belle of the Ball. You ever been right. a soiree? A soiree? Wasn't that what, uh, oh, remember the, the, the commercials for the three-way calling? Click, dial, click, and that was one line. Or plan a soiree. I just remember that. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm an insane person. It's okay. We still had calling by collect. Is that what you mean? No, you you remember three-way calling was like a new thing. You you Uh, click, uh, dial, click, and you had a three-way conversation. That was a big deal. Anyway, (laughs) see, it is a 90s podcast. Over the years, the colonel had heard tall tales of the mysterious old man living on Old Man Island. But dismiss them as legend. Wait, 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 so, that's so ridiculous. All this is happening, and he doesn't know that his brother is no, right see, over they, there. No, they, see, they were separated from each other. Okay. One day, his granddaughter Susie came running to him with a beautifully carved wooden bird in her hand. She told stories of the funny old man who gave it to her as a gift. Turning over the artistic treasure, he could barely make out the tiny letters carved into the base. Ever at peace, 1857. Oh, my God. <gasps> Immediately, the colonel made his way out to the island, loudly shouting his older brother's name. Here's the rest of the story from the paper. The two embraced with all the emotion of years gone by. Everett showed off his island and listened to news of the fine port he'd left behind. The colonel asked Everett to come across the river and live with him in Magnolia Bend. Everett smiled, but refused. He had no desire to leave the island that had so long been his home, and of course, the colonel understood. The colonel returned many nights to the island where the two would sit near a campfire and talk about what was and what the future might hold in store. I think they're going to change the name of this place someday. <laughs> Isn't that a beautiful story? Yeah, I, it's yes. very touching. <laughs> it is. I don't know what to end, but yes. <laughs> I don't think the uh, Wilderness Lodge was quite as elaborate. No, this, this goes hard. Uh, let's see. The boat rental building was originally a trading post where trappers from the bayou would barter, bicker, and bargain. 
The bridges all have stories as well. I'm sure you're going to tell us <laughs> the story. The Dixie Landings Bridge, which is between the docks and Old Man the Island. There, eh? <laughs> it's done. <laughs> no. <laughs> that opened in 1883 because of the danger in rowing across the river. Mm-hmm. Alligator Bayou Bridge was 1883. The Acadian Bridge was 1884. And the Oak Manor Bridge was 1888 to make travel between their respective points less troublesome, as well as providing children safe access to the island to play. I mean, this is impressive that they really went all out like this. The gift shop has a story. (laughs) I'd be more shocked if it didn't, really. (laughs) Retired Army officer General George Fulton and his wife Amelia opened Fulton's General Store in 1855. Are these supposed to be like the the boat Fulton? Oh, that's a good point, Mike. I don't know. Probably. (laughs) The general only stocked the basic necessities with the slogan, No Frills at Fulton. Although he was known to give a free praline nougat to children. As a treat. Yes. (laughs) Amelia eventually took over the operation, added fine linens and lace, perfumes and toiletries, and a section of gourmet foodstuffs, a.k.a. that's where you go get your Bud Light Limes. Hey. I always love that that phrase, foodstuffs. Yes. Stuffs. It, it takes me back to back. like Oregon Trail. Where I right. get all my food and most of my stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to supplement the general store's modest profit margin, Amelia began selling refreshments to the gentlemen wheeling and dealing and meandering just outside the door. In 1857, this trade had become so successful that a second building... The Cotton Co-op was built that allowed the general to share fanciful tales of his glory days as folks got a bit of rest and relaxation and a tasty bite to eat and a cold drink. This uh, the, the Cotton Co-op was the resort's lounge. The lounge was called Cotton Co-op. It was. Okay. Well. <laughs> In 1877, Henry Lamarin oh, oh moved his boat building company from Nache to Dixie Landings and built the Boatwright Shop. Okay. Boatwright is a builder of boats. Its walls were adorned with the tools of the trade, and hanging from the rafters was the Louisiana Lugger, one of the final flat-bottom boats that the shop built. Was that a glass-bottom boat, too, or just No, flat? just flat. <laughs> How are you going to find one of the four pieces of the treasure map now? Two people got that joke. Thank you. They appreciated it. <laughs> the Sassagol Steamboats Company Pride and Joy, the Dixie Queen Riverboat, debuted in 1855. She served honorably and well, traveling up and down the Sassagola for 10 glorious years. In one of the worst storms ever recorded along the Sassagula, the incomparable queen was struck by lightning. In a spectacular blast of sparks and smoke, half the beautiful boat was ashes in minutes. Her days of service were not entirely over even then, though. The remaining half, queen, was pulled from the water and later purchased by one Monsieur Henry Lemarin, who recycled her timbers to build a home for his relocated company, the now famous Boatwright Shop. Oh. Wonder, so yes, I wonder if these uh, the restaurant is built from the remains of a half burnt uh, steamboat. Okay. Are, are these threats on the Sasagula still around for us making our way to uh, Disney Springs? Oh, there's hardly any lightning storms okay. in Florida. <laughs> yeah, that will be safe. Don't worry. <laughs> it's all good. All right, that is the backstory of Dixie Landings. My goodness, God, I applaud them. But it's it's fun though because now like when you go to the pool, you know why it's called Old Man Island. You know why there's like this weird aqueduct thing connecting water to the pool. Yeah. Like it all does make sense once you know it. Like a new resort nowadays, like what would they name like the pool? Would it be a more of a gen- generic kind of name that they? No, it'd it? be the Mickey Mouse pool or something because everything's right. IP yeah, based right. now. It's the Mickey and Friends slide. Right. Right. Yeah. right. All right, so let's talk about some of the basic accommodations and amenities at the resort. Uh, as I mentioned, there are 2,048 rooms at the resort broken down in from price lowest to highest. Standard views, which are basically the parking lot. Woods views, which are trees. Pool views, which is the pool. River views of the Sasagola. Uh, those are the kind of room types. Some of them come in uh, 
king bed varieties, but most of them are two queens. So are the river views the most desired, I, I would guess? Or Probably. Yeah. Can't see that's, that's look out your I, think, I think we had a woods view when we went. Yeah. Uh, in 2012, they opened the Royal Guest Rooms. Uh, they redid rooms in Oak Manor and Parterre Place to give them kind of princessy touches. So it's primarily Princess and the Frog inspired, but it's like Tiana had all her princess friends stay and they all left trinkets behind as a gift. So you have references to Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Cinderella, Little Mermaid, and Snow White. Well, that's one way to, to shoehorn that in. It's it's kind of cool. Like like uh, the the in the the sinks, the faucet fixtures look like Aladdin's lamp. Um, yeah. The carpets have magic carpet like in the pattern. Hmm. Stuff like that. I'm not going to say anything about these princesses all being from different time periods and uh, locations around the world, but okay. Michael. How dare you? Don't, don't ruin the magic. That's with the canon of the story you laid out before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we're, we're past that now. See, okay. we're, we're breaking tradition. Uh, here's Tiana's welcome letter to friends staying at the rural guest rooms. Welcome, all. We are excited to have you stay with us. My friends and I have shared so many wonderful moments here that this has become a very special place in our hearts. As you make yourself at home, you'll discover some treasured mementos my friends have given me over the years. Enjoy making magical memories with your family and friends in my royal guest room. Your friend, Princess Tiana. Should she really sign it, Princess Tiana? I mean, at that point, she would have been a princess. So. Yeah, but like, right. uh, like kind of. <laughs> well, she, she, she was. She was. She, was, she would have broken the curse. Yeah, but she was like, it's not like she went to live in like a mansion. She's like, um, she has a restaurant. I, I feel like she's got to be a woman of the people. I feel Where does like she live then? She lives in the bayou. She lives in Louisiana. Maybe they the Tiana's, not Princess Tiana's. That's not the name of the restaurant. <laughs> well, she was a car of a princess. It's fine. I just think it's... I, she earned it, Mike. She earned it. <laughs> she married a frog. <laughs> <laughs> I won't take this hate for Princess Tiana. That's yeah, not right? hate. I'm just, I'm just surprised you would sign it as Princess Tiana, not simply... Do you think Ariel... When Ariel signed away her voice... Ah, ah, well, when Ariel signed away her voice in Little Mermaid, she didn't write Princess she was like Ariel. That, that she was, was a like legally 15. binding document. She okay. was like 15 and dumb. She didn't know. Oh, so now that's what we have a problem with. Oh, 16. Excuse me. <laughs> All right. There's a few food options at the resort. The aforementioned Boatwright's Dining Hall, which is a table service restaurant for breakfast and dinner. The Riverside Mill, as it's now called. That's your quick service uh, setup for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. A bunch of different stations. So, so next time you're here with the kids, you're going to be like, look, this is what this is why this is called this. Yeah, this yeah. Called That'll that. be really interesting. <laughs> and then the Muddy Rivers Pool Bar is over by the pool on Old Man Island. And that's kind of your outdoor bar with some food. So wait, what? which one was the Cotton Co-op? What's that called now? Um, that was, wasn't that the big, like the hall? No, that's the lounge. Or lounge. I should have put that there. It is because I hang on. I have it down here. Uh, we'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> it's later in the notes. There it is. Uh, the River Roost Lounge. That's it. That's better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, as far as recreation goes, Old Man Island is where the pool and playground are. It's a three and a half acre refuge. There's the swimming hole, the playground, and even a fishing hole. You can do cane fishing. Like legitimately fishing? fishing? Yeah. They have the water stock like catfish and stuff. Oh, that's yeah. sweet. And it, but it's just cane fishing where literally it's just a line on a stick and you just lower it in nice. and try to yank it up like old school. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they still have that there. Across the resort, there are five quiet pools, three in the Alligator Bayou and two in Magnolia Bend. They also have kind of the standard amenities, Surrey bikes, horse-drawn carriage rides, uh, the playground I mentioned. They even do, in addition to the cane fishing, fishing expeditions on the Sasagula. Yeah. Uh, kind of like you can do in uh, Bay Lake. Yeah, you can do the, you can, they, they do have it sometimes at Wilderness Lodge, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, the, the carriages are nice. One of those horse-drawn carriages because it kind of goes back and forth between uh, Riverside and yeah. Porter, uh, French, it, it, French Porter. Porter yeah. It's a neat aesthetic too when you're walking along and you see like the mansions. Yeah, on. yeah and those grounds are so nice. It's pretty, so, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a nice little path they have between them, and then yeah, here comes mm-hmm. the horse-drawn carriage the other way. Uh, it is a bus resort, so if you're getting to a theme park, you're taking a bus. Um, but there is water taxis along the Sassagoula that stop at Port Orleans River, um, mm-hmm. uh, French Quarter, and Disney Springs. Uh, as far as shopping, like I said, there's Fulton's General Store. That's in the, the main building called Centertown. Uh, that's kind of your gift shop, sundries, uh, you know, your character merchandise. And then also your autograph books. There's some snacks, beverages, the aforementioned Bud Light Limes. Yep. <laughs> and other stuff. So in April, April 1st of 2001, they weren't fooling. They changed the name of Dixie Landings. Uh, it would become Port Orleans Riverside. No official reason was given. But I think we'd all, we can all take some guesses. Right. And I mean, you know, technically, French Quarter's name changes, too, because it was just Port Orleans. That French was just Port Orleans. So right, right. they basically, Disney considers them one resort. Really? I don't. I don't. They have their own separate yeah, check-in they, areas. Right, yeah. Uh, never the twain shall meet. I mean, there's a there, there's like, they're not far apart, but there's a gap. But they're separate booking. They're separate, like, yes, but, on the website. But they kind of now consider this one resort with, like, 3,000 rooms. Yeah, I never really think of it like that. They're, they're very, I mean, they're obviously sister resorts and connected. Like, mm-hmm. be, like God, and Beach yeah, Club. Yeah, Beach Club, exactly. Right? But, like, even, there's they're more distinct than those two. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. In Art. a lot of ways. I agree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so with this change came some noteworthy name changes. The Colonel's Cotton Mill will become the Riverside Mill Food Court. Uh, the Cotton Co-op, as I mentioned, became the River Roost Lounge. Yeah. And of course, we lost the whole name of Dixie, which in and of itself can tend to be problematic. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because it, it wasn't, I guess, in 1992. It took a while for that one to... Catch up. Right. Well, I was just like, oh, Dixie, yeah, the good old South. I was like, well, it was so good, but you know, but you know, yeah. just that. Was it though? Well, it's just that the, you know, the anthem for the Confederacy was a, uh, you know, Dixie, right? Right. That's it comes. From. And it's funny because like they were already obviously sensitive to the history of slavery in the deep South around plantations. Like as I kind of mentioned during the backstory, they make a big point to say, you know, this was built by some volunteered family men yeah, and yeah. not slaves. So they picked their words wisely, for sure. Yeah, but, like, they already knew they were kind of, like, dancing on the line a bit. So it's not surprising that they kind of finally did back off. Mm-hmm. Um, the funny thing is, well, not funny, but interesting, I guess. So this was right before 9-11, of course. And as many of you know, in the wake of 9-11, Disney tourism plummeted. And this resort was hit very hard. Uh, they basically they shut down the French Quarter entirely. Riverside was was so reduced there were only 350 rooms kept open. Weird. Wow! Uh, if you had an existing booking, they just offer you alternative arrangements at another resort. I wonder how long it was like that for. Um, a couple of years, I think. Well, I think at least years. until like late 2002. Wow, that's how long it took for everything to bounce back. Uh, in March of 2004. The first kind of big renovation work happened on both resorts, um, French Quarter and Riverside. French Quarter first, Riverside second. Um, this was undertaken by a company called Friedrich Watchkin Company of Orlando, Florida, and they went on a building-by-building basis. This meant that the resort could stay open while they worked. They started with the Magnolia Bend Mansions that went from March 2004 till August and continued over to the Alligator Bayou Lodges that went from August to February 2005. It took them... About 64 rooms per week to go through and redo everything. New carpeting, new bedding, everything like that. Yeah, that's kind of how they did uh, All-Star Resorts here mm-hmm. that they're finishing up with. 
another round of renovations happened in 2011. So just seven years later, uh, this started on June 26th of 2011, starting in the Acadian House. By September, both the Acadian House and Magnolia Terrace were reopened with newly refurbished rooms. Then they went to Alligator Bayou, worked on some of the lodges there. That finished just before Christmas of 2000. So this wouldn't have been too long after Princess and the Frog at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Because this now, when we get into 2012, is when they started doing the royal guest rooms. Okay. Make so 500, all 512 rooms of the Oak Manor and Parterre Place were refitted to these new royal guest rooms. Oak Manor reopened on March 9th, which was a slight delay from its original uh, February 17th date. Parterre Place reopened on April 13th. And then lastly, the remainder of Alligator Bayou Lodges were completed. Um, that was uh, uh, closed on April 15th, and the last one was completed in August of 2012. So this resort um, had kind of two passes on it. And as a result, I mean, you know, the, the, this last round being only 11 years old, you know, when we were there, it's, it doesn't feel old in any way. Like, like it feels very fresh and, and modern, hmm. uh, considering how old it is at this point. What year was that for you guys? Uh, that was, the girls were two, so October of 2017. Okay. Yeah, because I was at French Quarter, I think, around 16 or so. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Uh, let's see. Also in 2012, the Port Orleans Riverside main registration halls refurbished to include new four tiles and carpeting, and they redid like the, the some dark wood and the registration desks. Uh, they began that work in April 23rd, 2012, the first half done by May 17th, which was a week behind schedule. Gasp. Only a week. <laughs> Only one not week. bad. Not bad. Uh, the second half of the lobby came on June 26th. They added new details such as new carpets and rugs. Um they had a new furniture, like the little custom-made child-sized chairs around the TV where they're usually playing Mickey That's shorts. That's a, a classic of the Disney oh, World yes. Hotel lobby experience. Yep. And uh, they had a newly carpeted seating area to complete the whole thing on September 5th of 2012. So here's some fun little kind of random trivia and tidbits I've, I got for you as well about the resort. The uh, wooden alligator bayou guest beds were hand-carved from hickory by a North Carolina woodworker hired by Disney specifically for the resort project. Man, uh, I wish you, I paid more attention to these that. beds now. You never that's that crazy. Today. That's absolutely crazy. It is. This is cool. It took hundreds of people working over 48 hours to replant the live oak tree on Old Man Island. It is the largest living oak tree ever to be transplanted with an original height of 55 feet Jeez. and a weight of approximately 85 tons, including the box and dirt. This live oak and its sister tree in front of Port Orleans Riverside were transplanted from the site that now contains Animal Kingdom. Wow. That's Mm -hmm. sweet. A wooden plaque on the island reads as follows. On Earth Day, April 22nd, 1991, this majestic live oak was placed in its new home before you. The oak and its companion at the entrance of Disney's Port Orleans Resort Riverside each weighed 85 tons and were transplanted from a wood location 13 miles away. Cypress boxes, 22 square foot, were constructed around and beneath each oak. And after months of preparation, the transportation took three days. Old Man Island was then constructed around this oak as you see it now. Wow, so it's like truly a centerpiece for oh, that area. Wait, mm-hmm. yeah. wait, wait a second, that's con- contradicting the story you told about. <laughs> and then, as I mentioned, the Sascagoula River is themed after the mighty Mississippi. The word Sascagoula is the Indian term for Mississippi. My goodness. Man, so like you could tell if if you've never been here, as, as a Disney kind of history kind of like nerd, this is one of the places to go. Oh yeah, like, if you're really, into like the old '90s backstories, go yeah. find all this stuff because it's still all there. They didn't take anything away aside I, from the name changes like in twenty the, uh, or two thousand one. Yeah, I, I feel like these two resorts kind of get maybe a little overlooked. 
Well, when you're looking at a vacation? I mean, the hardest thing is aside from the Disney Springs boat, you're not connected to any resorts. Like even Caribbean Beach and, you know, Art of Animation have the Skyliner now. Right. Because they, they were in that same boat too until the Skyliner. Mm-hmm. And it's completely changed it. But um, so as we mentioned, I did stay here with my family in 2017. It was my first time actually staying at a moderate resort. I'd stayed in Deluxe and I'd stayed in Values, but never a moderate. I was blown away. I couldn't believe how just, you know, even without knowing all this written backstory, just how thematic the whole place is. Like I said, I've been to New Orleans, not like the city. I've been like around that, like the parishes there to like the actual nature of New Orleans. And they really get like the vegetation right. Like yeah. it really has that down in the bayou feel. Well, and it probably kind of blew your mind too, just how big a resort oh, it's, could be in Disney. We were, we were fortunate. I mean, on that trip, we flew, but we rented a car. So we didn't have to rely on the buses. And because it is that kind of spread out, um, the moderate resorts, like you just park like by your building. So yeah. we never had far to go once we parked the car. So if you if you have a car, the moderate resorts are great because then the transportation is not an issue. And you're well, parking closer to your room than you would at a lot of the deluxe resorts. And the neat thing, too, at these kind of places, like when the bus does come, there's the bus station. But there's like there's like second and third ones even mm-hmm. like in the Alligator Bay area. Yeah, there's there's a so you don't have to walk you don't have to, you know haul your butt all the way to the lobby or anything. Right, right. Time. Would you would you like to hear my pedantic correction for you, AJ? Oh boy, here we go. Well, Mississippi is also a quote Indian word. Is it different Native Americans? So okay. different tribes. He did say he wasn't sure which. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I I was going to mispronounce the name anyways, but the uh, Ojibwa. Uh, or the ones who coined Mississippi, ah. meaning simply Big River. I think Ohio also means Big River in a different native uh, language, <laughs> actually. So, yeah. Okay, you got me. Hey. It's cooled. Yeah, right. Uh, but you guys, have you guys even been here before? I So when I was uh, a couple years ago, when I stayed in Disney a couple days after everyone else left, I wandered around first um, – First in the French Quarter, you know, uh, got my beignets and all that. But then I did walk over to Riverside on that beautiful path there. The carriage went by me. And there I really did just kind of walk around because I had already eaten and everything. But, yeah, it was very pretty. I did enjoy that kind of literal Riverside kind of main concourse, I think you Mm -hmm. would call it. I I liked the look of that a lot. Of the hotels that are – of the moderate resorts that are the kind of big sprawling building ones, so like this – your Caribbean Beach, your uh, Saratoga, and your Old Key West. This might be the prettiest of those. I know you're uh, fond of Caribbean. Yeah. It's very pretty. Caribbean does overtake it because the Skyliner is so nice now. Sure. And I like Caribbean I mean, just almost, yeah, but the aesthetics of this are very Yeah, like I said, you go into a moderate thinking like, okay, this isn't going to be nice as a deluxe resort, but it kind of is. Well, especially how different like the alligator section is with how dense the vegetation Mm -hmm. can be. You're kind of blown away by that. Right. And, um... So we did have dinner at Boatwright's, and I got a strip steak with a kind of like blueberry sauce on it. Mm. It was a top five Disney steak. Really? I was blown away. Because, you know, we never thought about going to this place. And Pizza One isn't brought up all that much when people talk about like the best Disney restaurant. Like, I wouldn't go out of my way to go back necessarily. I think everyone should go there once just to try it. You mean the restaurant? Yeah, to Boatwright's. Um, But if you're staying there, definitely go to dinner there. It was phenomenal. Like, I really enjoyed it. the um the food court was also really good. I mean they're all they're all at a point now they're all pretty good. Yeah. Disney's well, kind of well, figured out like the, the advantage food. here are the beignets that you get. Well so you don't get a you don't get a riverside quarter, yeah. at French Quarter. Yeah. So so for me, I, I had never stayed here, but it was it was the same year, but it was April for my wife and I. 
Uh, we, we stayed at French Quarter. We did the half marathon for one of the Star Wars ones, I think. And we absolutely loved it. But the cool thing about it, like the day before the half marathon, we wanted to do like a little run just to get kind of ready to go. Mm-hmm. And so we did like a 5K just between the two hotels. And it, again, those carriages were out going around just seeing like the, you know, the vegetation of everything. The architecture was really, really something. Mm-hmm. So you really do get like, you know, the French Quarter and how like fun and like the the vibe you get there and then how you know, neat looking uh, Riverside is, but yeah. I, I loved it. I love going between the two. And if you are the kind of person who goes to Disney and Disney Springs is a major draw for you, this is a great place to stay. It, it is. Because that water taxi is, again, it's a beautiful ride up the river. It, it's never busy because there's not going to be a ton of people going yeah. to Disney and Springs. Not just that crap on Saratoga again, but, you know, I know that that's even cl- much closer to uh, Disney Springs, but, man, I'd rather stay here mm-hmm. either of the... Uh, the Port Orleans is just a lot prettier to me. I think they, there's just more interesting things going on there. And then take the boat over. It's a nice boat ride, too. It's a little long, but it's a nice boat mm-hmm. ride. Yeah, it's very scenic. Yeah, w- one of the best things I ever ate at Disney was that French Quarter. And it was the three beignet caramel ice cream sundae. Oh, wow. Ooh, I still think about it. It does sound good. And it was what I ate after so, the half marathon. Uh, <laughs> it was one Well earned. So yeah. you're, you are more team French Quarter. Well, I mean, I stayed there. So, yes, yeah. I am. Well, and I and stayed there with my wife. And like, I, like you said before, it's a lot smaller. Smaller, a lot more intimate. And that was like you your last trip that. before you were really taking kids, right? Well, before our second child. So Krista, my wife, was was pregnant uh, at the time of that half marriage. And, and I, I remember, <laughs> I remember like people kind of looking at her because she had like a she wanted to do the half. She only did the ten k though. And I had to, like talk her down, like no, 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 you cannot do that. You're like halfway here with the next kid coming. But uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. No wonder, no wonder that kid's so jumpy. Yeah, he is. <laughs> He's a wiry thing. <laughs> That's funny. Like, you're, are you more Team Riverside, AJ? Or ah, uh, again, I haven't stayed for. We didn't even go over to French Quarter, so I, I, I don't oh, really? think I've actually been over there. Again, it was oh, hard with the two girls. And on that trip, Olivia actually had. We had a little scare with her. Where she got really dehydrated one day. Uh. And actually, here I'll, I mean, I will tell this now. So. You know, we, we, we were trying to get her to drink water. And, of course, she's a very stubborn eater. She wouldn't even drink water because she didn't feel good. I'm like, no, that's why you don't feel good because you haven't drank enough water. Um, so we were getting concerned. So we finally, we, um, I forget if we called the front desk or who we called, but we we just want to get her checked out, see if she needed, like, an IV. So um, paramedics did come, and they, they just checked okay. her out. And they were like, you know, like, she's she's fine. Like, she doesn't, we don't need anything drastic. Just let her rest, let her cool off, get her to drink something. Eventually she will. Um, she's not dying or anything. But along with the, um, the the paramedics, two people from the front desk came to you know make sure everything was okay. And after they left, you know they they stuck around. They say, hey, like anything you guys need, if you need any medicine for her, uh, you know more water, anything like that, just call us. We'll bring it. Oh. Um, super super nice about the whole thing. So that was really nice. Um, I have a good hospitality kind of story too. For uh, not nearly as drastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, after we did our, our race, we had a, um, a reservation to a restaurant. And at the time, it may still be, it was supposed to be 24 hour in advance cancellation. Mm-hmm. If you don't do that, you get charged like 20 bucks per person, whatever. We went to the front desk and they said, yeah, no problem. We'll just cancel that for you. And here you go. Nice. So, okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just Disney. But still, it was <laughs> yeah. at the French Quarter. But is that front yeah, desk. It, it was there. So it counts. <laughs> I really would like to stay at these. I mean, I'm kind of um, it's it's funny. We didn't do a whole lot Snooty. of the moderates when uh, we were growing. No, up. No, we really didn't. We did all star a couple of times. Well, that's and, and that I know. I'm gonna say right. we we did the two like spectrums. But right, not exactly. The we, Sam, yeah, we did the uh, extreme ends, but not the moderates. Mm-hmm. And now I'm kind of all about them. I stayed at Old uh, Key West, which uh, well, that's not really moderate, but it kind of has a bit of that vibe. Yeah, like I say, especially if you're gonna have a car, whether because you drove to Disney or you're gonna rent a car. 
the moderates are, are in some ways they become a little nicer than the deluxe resorts just because, yeah, like I said, you're parking right, right by your room. You can get wherever you need to go very easily. Yep. Um, the transportation becomes less of an issue, and I mean that's the big downside of most of the moderates um, is transportation. Yeah, but so. you have that in some you know luxury ones too, like Animal Kingdom. So. Yeah. I just realized I was, Saratoga's not even technically a moderate. That's considered a deluxe. Well, because it's vacation club. Ugh. <laughs> Pay more to stay there instead of. I mean, the, the nice side. thing with it is if you just want to go and you have a few points, you can do it. I guess they're so. never fully booked. <laughs> yeah, that, that's always the fallback. Right. Right. It's like, <laughs> okay, we got a few. Let's go. We can do this. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's fair enough then. All right. So uh, that is Dixie Landings. Fantastic. Do you guys have fun? Yeah, I had a great time. Do you feel like you learned I something? I wish I could go walk around the resort right now, to be honest. Right? It'd be fun to walk around and find all these references. Is the sure 4K WDW go down there? Uh, well, maybe. I'm, I'm sure he's got something. watch a right. video at some point here. But, AJ, we get any emails? Yes, we have a few. A few. I haven't even looked at these yet. Our first comes from Michelle from Chicago. Go away. Gmail pop up. Oh, so like, <laughs> I said, go away, Michelle. Get out of here, Michelle. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, she writes to talk about her favorite attraction overlay. She says, my favorite attraction overlay is when they put the tiny holiday sweater on Figment and Journey to Imagination. <laughs> yeah, that is, <laughs> that is solid. It, I'm shocked well they haven't said. sold that yet. I mean, that's that actually, that is pretty great. Even just a small thing like that, I do like that. Like, yeah, that's almost in some ways like a little more pure, yeah. if you know what I mean. Like, you see, like, even just today, I saw people complaining about how Haunted Mansion is not Haunted Mansion too long. Like, eh. like Haunted Mansion always is cool, but like for six months out of the year, we don't have Haunted Mansion. Yeah. But, you know, you put a sweater on a figment, boom, boom there you go. Christmas. Yeah, he's had the janitor do it on his way out one day and you're done. All right. This uh, email comes from Ken Jackson. Hi, Ken. He hi. works with my wife, so I know. Oh, hi, Ken. He says, hey, guys, Merry Christmas to you and your families. I've been listening for a while and never seem to make it to commenting in time, but I want to give props for the content you guys put together. I wanted to comment on your holiday overlay episodes last year in 2022. I had the opportunity to see both the Walt Disney World Halloween to Christmas transition and Disneyland and DCA in full holiday mode. I have to be honest to say that the West Coast has Walt Disney World beat for overall holiday season. Mm. The Haunted Mansion overlay is worth the trip alone. I rode that twice my one day in Disneyland and enjoyed every minute of it. It was easily one of the top rides in all the parks, period. I know you guys said you hadn't been on It's a Small World holiday, but wanted to jump in and say it was amazing overall despite the 35-minute breakdown that almost resulted in an evacuation. I have posted a ride-through video of my experience on YouTube below. I will share that link, Ken. Even got the experience to ride with the sound off, but still moving. Let me tell you that can give you nightmares all its own. That's some Five Nights at Freddy stuff right yeah. there. Anyway, that's all I got. Keep up the good work and look forward to the next episode. Thanks, Ken. P.S. That brings up an idea for an episode. Most memorable ride breakdowns and evacuations. Oh, that's good. We can do that that's for a bonus episode. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You know, I think I actually tend to agree with him, except what Disney World has is more resorts to walk through, more hotels. Well, yeah. and I, th- I think he's talking purely from the point of view of, of rides that get a holiday treatment. Right. And we, I, we've talked about this before. I, I feel like they're more comfortable doing it in California because it is more locals, whereas Disney World kind of tends to be the like more the like once-in-a-lifetime once lifetime destination. Yeah. So you don't want to mess with it too much. I wish they, they were, they're, They've been gun-shy ever since that cake. Yep, yes. <laughs> but that, that, those are the best times. Maybe, yeah, that Cake was, was good. Rough. Get over it. Yeah, right. Maybe the Stitch one, not so much. Well, but, and that uh, was for a day. Could you imagine if you were getting married and it was like that day? <laughs> the, the castle's the castle. toilet paper. <laughs> I'm sure they just superimposed that. Yeah. The good one. All right. Our final email comes from Mike from SoCal. He says, greetings, Chris first, then AJ, then last, Mike. I agree with this. 
I think this is always be clothing, isn't it? <laughs> First off, Happy New Year, and I wish the Minotti fam a magical 2024. I was listening to a previous episode of 90s Disney where you all gave advice for the best secret bathroom at Disney World. Oh, yeah. That got me to thinking, what do you think are the best themed bathrooms at the Disney parks? The Jungle Skipper Canteen restroom after you walk through the secret bookcase dining room simply had me stunned. Trader Sam's also has a very magical tiki bathroom. Thanks for all the fun. Looking forward to what you all get into during 2024. Mike from SoCal, P.S. I may be too much of a Disney sicko if I have another opinion on the theme bathrooms. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, That's a valid thing to have an opinion on. I mean, the the tangled ones are, yeah, are, are an easy yeah. go-to. Well, because like they were built to be themed. In right? <laughs> yeah. The, I, good. I can't remember like so much like the theme in the actual bathrooms. It's more like the entrance. Like Gonzo's Royal Flesh is fun for like uh-huh. the Gonzo nose with the pipe and stuff. So, like um... So the ones to the right of the Imagination Ride entrance, mm-hmm. the the theming, whatever, but the music that's played there is still like old school epic uh, songs. So you've ever just want kind of want to like chill, I guess, in a bathroom yeah. <laughs> and listen to some music. Uh, yeah, I think the Bugs Land bathrooms used to be pretty well known for having a pretty fun like track oh, yeah. with like unique dialogue or something like yeah. that. I think. Did you guys say that? Um, oh, what's the restaurant? Mythos didn't they have a weird bathroom? You said. Didn't. Can't remember. I can't remember. Like no. like angled we'll tile or something. Like, what like Planet Hollywood? Kinda, I guess. Yeah, I, don't I remember. I, I remember there you talking go. about the bathroom. Yeah, that's that's yeah. Weird. Planet Hollywood bathroom. Bathroom in the Planet Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, used to get me dizzy. Well, hopefully we go to Mythos when we we're gonna be in a uh, Universal and. Oh yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll work on that. Well, and the, another one people do talk about a lot. I don't know if I've ever been there. Is the one at the Norway Pavilion? Oh yeah, the, yeah. People say that one's really really cool. Yeah, the bathroom. The bathroom itself. Yeah. Okay. I haven't been in there. Haven't done that one yet. I'll get to it. <laughs> Add it to the list. Control under the toilet. <laughs> Disappear. <laughs> Disappear. Uh, if, when you flush, when you flush. I'm going to work on that in my bathroom now. There we go. <laughs> you just get an Arduino, right, Chris? Yeah, you, you could, could do, do that, that out, right? <laughs> Amazing. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much to tuning in for tuning in to 90s Disney. Like I said, 2023 was a great year, and we're looking very forward to what 2024 is going to bring. We're going to have, as Chris mentioned, uh, we're we're going to Universal together in March uh, for my 40th birthday. Woo. Gasp. Uh, so we'll have a trip report for that episode. And uh, we just kind of got the confirmation of the dates. Um, my family is going with uh, our dad and stepmom to Disneyland on August 1st. Fun. Uh, so we're going to be doing a few nights out there. Awesome. So we'll be able to talk about that when we get back as well. Yeah, well, some good trip reports. Yeah. And uh, Mike, yeah. you're up next. What are we doing? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. We're gonna change tracks a little bit. I'm gonna do my first video game episode. My, th- uh, my first one, I think, since episode number two, which was about Aladdin. Was on Aladdin, Texas. right? Yeah. I want to. I want to talk about uh, uh, Castle of Illusion starring Ooh. Mickey Mouse for the second. That's a good one. An all-timer. Like yes, yes. So there's lots to talk about. Lots of weird versions and sequels and spiritual successors uh, and remakes to that game. Maybe Mickey's best game. All right. So if you have any fond memories of oh. Castle of Illusion, be sure to tell us for next episode. I, or anything I, else you want to comment. I think I have a fun idea for a point five. Maybe we could do just our power rankings for the Disney World resorts in terms of theme. Ooh, okay. Bottom to top. Purely on theme. Okay. On theme. So even if we, we haven't said all of them, obviously, we haven't even necessarily been to all of them, please know what the theme is. I think we've got it. I think we can handle it. Okay. I like it. Yeah. All right. So look forward to that. Look forward to Castle of Illusion. Email us, 90sDisneyPodcast at gmail.com or Check follow out my us. CBC story. Oh, yes. Mike was uh, interviewed by the CBC, which is like the Canadian version of the BBC. 
about kind of where the Disney company is today. Yeah, like Canadian uh, NPR kind of thing. Yes. Uh, if you follow Mike's Twitter, you can find the link to that. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Blue Sky, Mastodon, and Threads. Yes, yes all the things. They're all there. Everyone's here. Thank you for listening. Tonight is Disney. Good night. Bye-bye. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.